Hey, beautiful people. I'm Sarah, and welcome to my show, Ignited by Inner Beauty, a podcast that is setting the world on fire with body positivity, female empowerment, and self-love. If you need some feel-good vibes and a reminder of just how beautiful you truly are, then you came to the right place. I'm so excited to share what's in store for you today. and welcome to episode 18 of Ignited by Inner Beauty. We have a wonderful guest, Brandy, who joins us on the podcast today. Um, But before I get into our really great conversation, I wanted to start off by talking a little bit about uh, what is thin privilege. So I recently wrote a blog article about this on ignitedbyinnerbeauty.com, talking about thin privilege and how our society discriminates against people in larger bodies and a really a system systematic way um and how people in fat bodies are just treated uh treated worse uh in many cases than people in thin bodies so i think this is just a really important topic um and something that maybe a lot of people aren't truly aware of or maybe haven't uh given that much thought to um But I think what comes about is, you know, we hear people saying, oh, well, skinny shaming is a thing too. Like, um, you know, it's just as hard, um, uh, you know, just as hard being in a super skinny body than being in a fat body. And, you know, I'm, I'm told terrible things as well. Like, oh, just eat a, eat a burger or something, which is absolutely terrible. I mean, the, the body shaming in general that happens in the world, uh, particularly towards women, uh, but also towards men do not want to, um, exclude them from the conversation. Um, but this body shaming that happens is so harmful and it's truly just, you know, what we're working against here, um, in the world so that all bodies, no matter shape, size, identity, ability, etc. Um, are accepted and uh, can be loved and appreciated and uh, everybody is a good body. And, that, and also that we are more than our bodies, right? So we can accept them and love them and appreciate our bodies for all they do for us, no matter what they look like. Um, but also that we are so much more than that, that we can accept that and move on. Um, so that is kind of the end goal there. Um, and so while I absolutely acknowledge that body shaming can happen really to anyone in any type of body, I mean, think about even the, uh, people who are, uh, or models or, you know, who are very insecure or even models who we would say have, uh, the stereotypical, uh, standard of beauty, um, in their, in their bodies. And they still are, uh, you know, body shame, told terrible things, told to, Um, you know, that they need to look a certain way or, or whatever. So, um, this really does happen to all types of people, all types of bodies. However, with that being said, um, you know, society systematically discriminates against people in larger bodies. That's not to diminish, um, the experiences of people who have been body shaped at any size. However, there have been a lot of studies showing how people in fat bodies and people who experience weight stigma have, you know, experienced worse medical care, for example. Um, And this is the type of fat phobia that 
again, is is aimed at, you know, people in larger bodies and people who are in smaller bodies really priv- have, uh, you know, the benefit of um, receiving this thin privilege that um, kind of excludes them from a lot of the, the fat shaming that goes on in the world. Um, so for example, um, people in fat bodies, as I said, receive worse medical care. What I, just some examples that I've, you know, heard from individuals are They'll go in for, you know, knee pain um, and the doctor will simply tell them, oh, you need to just lose weight. It'll be fine. And this would never be told to people in smaller bodies. They would say, oh, okay, maybe you should go to physical therapy or this or that. Let's look into this more. However, so many uh, issues and medical issues that uh, people in larger bodies face are, um, you know, that doctors simply just write off as, oh, we'll just lose weight. And as we know, diets do not work. 95 to 97% of diets fail us. So there isn't really a way that even even if that was the case, um, first of all, you can't just tell someone to lose weight. It does not work in the long run. Um, And also this is completely, you know, this is completely unacceptable that people in larger bodies are just told um, to lose weight and just simply written off of the standard of medical care that I, as someone in, you know, who is straight sized, who benefits from a lot of thin privilege would go in. And if I had an issue with my knee, um, they would, you know, I would expect the doctor to actually look into it and not just say, oh, go go lose weight. Like somebody um, in a fat body would likely be told. Um, So this is just one example. There are really, um, a multitude of examples in this of uh, thin privilege and, and fat phobia and how it um, specifically discriminates against people in larger bodies. Um, but I really like to focus on that one, um, particularly about weight stigma and healthcare, because so many of the negative health outcomes that fat people are blamed for, like, oh, you know, they're more likely you know, as everyone in the quote-unquote obesity epidemic, which is mainly, uh, you know, because of weight stigma with people receiving negative care because simply because of their appearance, um, you know, that's really what's starting this. We know that weight stigma is more of a risk to people's health than actually what they eat or any, you know, what they, what they weigh. Um, this weight stigma is, you know, if somebody actually has something wrong with their knee, they're contributing to, um, you know, they're, they're, maybe they're just told to lose weight. So there's, they're still walking on it. They're making it worse. They're, you know, it's, it's making their medical, um, issues even worse by just simply writing them off as many doctors will do. So, um, you know, while fat people are told their weight is to blame for many of these issues, really weight stigma is at the root of many of these as, uh, you know, they're, they're told that just to lose weight and then their medical issues aren't addressed and, you know, it's a negative health outcomes because of it. So this is extremely damaging and just, you know, loops back into the circle of, you know, we're blaming people for their weight, but we're also not um, you know, but it's really at the medical providers, uh, uh, the kind of level of them to take this seriously. And then maybe the case would be that, you know, fat people would not, um, would not have these negative health outcomes that are just associated with their weight, that, which are really caused by weight stigma. 
Um, so I really think this is such an injustice and um, it's extremely damaging and it's something that, um, yes, while anyone can be body shamed, this is, you know, me in a thin body. I do not have to worry about going to a doctor and assuming that the doctor is just going to say that my weight is to blame for anything that I come in for. Um, so again, this is a huge uh, issue and um, it is a a privilege for people who are in thinner bodies. So this is definitely an injustice that needs to be addressed, um, which of course can come along with fat acceptance and body liberation and all these, um, you know, the body positivity movement, um, these social justice movements that are aiming for um, fat people and people in all types of bodies to be accepted and, uh, you know, and, and loved and be treated um, as worthy people. Um, because right now that is simply not the case. Um, but a few other things that, just a few other examples of uh, thin privilege that I have identified and that I can say I am benefiting from is that, you know, people can uh, eat what they want without them making judgments. So I know I've heard a lot of um, people in fat bodies say they're eating a salad, everyone is looking at them to say, oh, okay, well, they must be on a diet. Um, but if they're eating, you know, uh, something that's a higher calorie food or whatever, um, people will look at them and say, oh, well, that's why they're at the weight they're at. While somebody in a thinner body, they can eat whatever they want and people won't be staring at them and, um, you know, won't kind of look at them in that way. So that's a general one um, that happens much more to people in fat bodies. Um huge one is uh, uh, the thin privilege is being able to fit into clothing from mainstream stores. So many brands are not offering sizes, uh, are not size inclusive, are not offering larger sizes. They're truly catering to people in thin bodies. And it is absolutely a justice issue. It is just truly unacceptable. Even the brands that promote body positivity or are under the skies of, yeah, look at us, like we're so inclusive, but then their actual sizes do not represent that. So again, this is a huge um, uh, thing that people uh, can benefit from who are in thin bodies. So a, a definitely a thin privilege. Um, being able to fit comfortably in public spaces like buses, chairs, planes, um, this is another huge one where, um, you know, it is, we can't be blaming people for being the, the size that they're in. As we know, as we were talking about that diets don't work, we are meant to be at a set weight. Um, our bodies, even if we all eat the same thing and exercise the same amount, we would all look different. And it's unacceptable that uh, pu public spaces are, again, catering to people in thinner bodies. Um, so, you know, with planes being uncomfortable or those chairs and um, it's just, it's simply not okay um, for them to exclude, um, you know, people in fat bodies in this way. And it's definitely a thin privilege for people who are able to comfortably, comfortably sit in those places. Um, another one is being able to see your body type represented in a positive light by the media. So this one is really huge. Um, I think back, I honestly think we are going to look back at media um, as we are kind of doing now um, 
in some senses, I know there is still so much racism in the world, but you know, I'm thought of the, I'm simply thinking of the Dr. Seuss books that are being addressed right now um, for some of the racist uh, uh, phrases that are used in them. And I really think that we are going to look back at popular media and say, oh my gosh, that is extremely fat phobic in what they're saying, because the amount of movies and TV shows and whatever that um, show people in fat bodies represented in a negative light, they're, you know, the butt of the joke, they're always eating, they're always hungry, they're just laughed at, these, you know, these characters um, is just or they're, you know, just super like happy and, and bubbly and, uh, you know, making out to be anyone who's fat is, is like that. It's just it's just terrible, these stereotypes that exist. Um, and again, so, you know, who's typically the star of main popular shows? People in thinner bodies. Again, a thin privilege to see people around your same body type represented in this positive light. Um Another way that, you know, thin privilege exists is um, if I go into an interview um, benefiting from thin privilege, of course, and maybe I don't get the job, I don't have to worry that it was because of my body size. I don't have to worry that the employer said, oh, well, you know, she's in a larger body and, and fat people are lazy and they, you know, don't work as hard or whatever. All these terrible, terrible um, and false negative stereotypes that exist in this fat phobic world that we live in against, you know, people in larger bodies are really, really carry into a lot of spaces, especially employment, where that could be um, even on a subconscious level, um, a reason why they don't get the job because of these really negative um, negative beliefs that are held by our society. So again, this is such a privilege for thin people um, and just just extremely damaging. It, it just hurts me to think that this is how our world works. And it's just one of the many forms of discrimination um, that exist. Um, and also, you know, just going to public spaces and not having to worry about being body shamed. This is a huge one that um, that exists in, in, uh, for, for people in thinner bodies, for people who benefit from thin privilege. Um, I can't tell you how many um, people I've heard of, you know, who are sharing their stories in, in fat bodies. And they say, I, you know, I just go to a park and somebody will just yell at them like, hey, you're fat or whatever. Um, and as I use fat, of course, as a, as a, um, neutral term as, uh, you know, is simply a just neutral body descriptor. Um, of course, these people are using it as, uh, in a derogatory way. And it's just, um, this is just so harmful just to think that this happens or, um, is so harmful. Like I know some, when I was, I, I read a lot of media and I try to, you know, hear a lot from other, the fat experience from other people. Um, and, you know, they uh, have also, I think another story I heard was one woman just walking through the mall and this guy comes up to her and said, you know, I have this great diet plan for you. You should really try it out. Um, just all this crazy stuff that should not exist. But so the, again, these are just a few examples of how, um, you know, there is clear privileges that people in thinner bodies receive over um, the oppression that people in fat bodies receive. So this is injustice, um, this is discrimination, and it truly needs to end. And I, um, you know, aim to do my part um, in using my thin privilege to uh, stand up for fat acceptance and 
really fight for body liberation, um, you know, in in all forms, in all forms, because we know that not only fat bodies are thought of as lesser than, but as well as, you know, trans bodies, black bodies, you know, people of color. Um, there is a lot of discrimination in the world against valuing some bodies over mainly like thin white bodies over others. Um, and I, you know, will, <laughs> I want to make it my mission to end this discrimination. And I know I have a lot of thin privilege being um, a straight sized uh, white person. So I really want to speak up against this um, since unfortunately people will listen to me more um, than if a, if a fat person is saying, um, you know, oh, you know, well, uh, you know, fat phobia is a thing and, and diets don't work. Um, oftentimes, as I've heard, that they're not taken as seriously as if it's coming from a thin person or a straight straight sized person. So I really want to do my part in this. Um, and, you know, I hope that you all join me um, in this fight for uh, for equality and um, this fight to end fat phobia um, and diet culture and discrimination and oppression that is in the world. <laughs> so um, with, you know, uh, with that being said, um, some heavy topics here, um, I want to introduce my guest for today. I had an absolutely incredible conversation with Brandy. She is studying to be a health coach and particularly particularly wants to support people um, as they recover from eating disorders. And we really cover it all. This was such a great conversation we had. We talk about feminism, anti-diet culture, how all bodies are good bodies, um, and she's just so real and raw in how she shares her story of how she got an eating disorder, how that came about during a time in her life um, that was really difficult and um, when she was a stripper. So um, I so appreciate her telling that story and um, everything she went through. So this is, you know, if, if hearing about eating disorders or um, things like that bother you, that is um, a bit of a, a trigger warning um, going into it, but this was such a fruitful conversation, and um, I just thank you, Brandy, for sharing all of your knowledge uh, and uh, experiences with the show. Um, you guys are going to love this episode. So without further ado, here is Brandy. Well, thank you so much, Brandy, for being on Ignited by Inner Beauty. Why don't you start us off by introducing yourself and telling our audience how you are Ignited by Inner Beauty? Thank you so much for having me. My name is Brandy, and I am a health coach. I specialize in eating disorder treatment. I'm currently working on an undergraduate degree so that I can be an eating disorder therapist. And I think that what ignites me by inner beauty is my desire to change the world. Awesome. I love it. And is that changing the world through like body acceptance and, um, and through your, through your work or through other things as well? I think both, right? So I think that all of us can change the world through our relationships with our friends and our family, but also at a larger level through our work, right? So personally, I want to, I want to live in a world where women 
people, humans don't, you know, go on a diet and then notice their hair is thinning and then be like, oh, this is normal. I must like, it'll just, once the toxins leave my body, then my hair will grow back. I want to live in a world where I can walk down the street and I don't hear somebody screaming fat phobic comments out the window at a fat person. I want to live in a world where women are appreciated and valued for things that they bring to the table other than their appearance. And I also want to live in a world where if women want to be valued by their appearance, then let them, you know? So, yeah. I love that. Everything. Yeah. You covered a lot there and I am <laughs> definitely on board with it. Um, and that's so true. I, I just saw one of your, you know, recent videos about like the fat phobic comments and it is like, uh, it just, it's very painful to, um, kind of be brought back to reality when I see that the fat phobia, when it occurs, cause I think sometimes I live in my own little bubble of like body positivity and I'm like, this is great. I just want to live here. And then when you like remove yourself from it, it's like very, very taken aback. So, um, yeah, I, I, that was, uh, you know, just bringing those to light was hurt, harmful, but I think important to remember that, we still live in a fat phobic world, a world that values dieting and, you know, only thinks about only values women for their appearance. And, um, we have a lot of work to do. (laughs) Yeah, we have so much work to do. I actually, um, it's funny that post that I made that person, they said something very fat phobic to me outside of their car window, just this last Sunday. And I'm, um, straight size so I'm only like a size large or extra large I kind of teeter on what people might think of as plus size or not Um, but I identify as a mid-sized woman so like I talked about in that post um, if people are saying stuff like that to me when I walk down the street what do you think they're saying to people who are you know we're fat Mm -hmm. so yeah and (laughs) I just sometimes you're right I just want to like I live in my own little bubble of it all. And then I remember when I'm walking down the street that not everyone is like believes these things. And I, I feel sometimes that we are living kind of ahead of our time, right? So mm-hmm. back in the day, people used to say slavery is wrong and black people are humans. And everyone was like, no, shh, no. And then you know, now we all understand that this is not a radical idea and that (laughs) this is the truth. And um, today I feel that that's kind of how similar to we treat the treatment of fat people, right? I'm like, listen, this is discrimination. Everyone's like, no, they're they're not healthy. Be quiet. You, You can't be quiet. So. Yeah, it's. Yeah, that's really, it's really tough. I think it's, it's nice to see that um, it's starting, you know, I think there are more and more people I'd like to think, you know, entering this like anti-diet world and accepting, you know, health at every size movement and, and thinking about it like this, but yeah, it's like, I feel like this is still at the very, very beginning of like people starting to accept this by the very nature of like seeing diet advertisements, like all the time and people accepting that, 
um, you know, yeah, diets are good. And thinking that we can like completely change our bodies into anything when we really can't like science, you know, does not support that. <laughs> like we, we, you know, have a set, set weight and, you know, we can't just like morph into any type of body. So, uh, it's incredible. The lengths people will go to, to defend that sentiment. Um, mm-hmm. it's wild. Yeah. But anyways, I'd love to hear more about, you know, how you got interested in, um, you know, being a health coach and pursuing this career. How did that, um, how did this passion start up for you? Well, my story is, I know that some people might take offense to it. People have some judgments about where I come from and how my eating disorder developed, but I'm just going to tell the whole truth. So when I, I come from a very low socioeconomic background, my parents were making a combined income of around 18000 to $20,000 a year. When I was a kid and I had two younger brothers. And so like we always ate from the food bank. And I remember I had to get babysitting jobs when I was 10 and I would give all my money to my parents to help pay for things like the electric bill and stuff of that nature. So with that in mind, when I turned 19, I was working three jobs all at fast food places. And I had heard about a woman who was working in the sex industry and I was, she was making a ton of money and I was like, oh, I'm just gonna go be a stripper for a tiny little bit until I can find like a real job. (laughs) And so a long story short, what ended up happening is that that's where my eating disorder really took place Mm -hmm. and developed into, because all of the money I made, all of the recognition I got, everything was about my appearance, everything. It was my entire job, right? My body was my currency. And at first I didn't like pursue weight loss or anything of that nature. I just, I just, uh, I just kept, (laughs) but, but then I did. And it was really damaging. And, um, it turned, it was, it was orthorexia at first. And I was obsessed with, um, clean eating or orthorexia (laughs) and like constantly I would work out for like 10 plus hours a day. And that wasn't an exaggeration because my job, right, was, I live in Portland, Oregon, and here that industry is very different than it is in the rest of the country, like, it's very performance based. And so you don't just like get up there and like, get naked, and like, people give you money, (laughs) you have to like, do a lot of tricks. Um, So I would take like pole dancing classes, Mm -hmm. and I would take aerial acrobatic classes and silks and all these things. And then I would go to work at my job, and I would work eight or nine hour shifts where I was like physically demanding. And then on top of that, I was eating, you know, a certain amount of calories a day. That was a very small amount because I thought that it was what was healthy to do. And so fast forward to when I left that industry for other reasons, it was just so weird that I was gaining weight and all these things. And then I began to try to seek treatment for that. 
and all the treatment that I sought always just spouted more diet culture rhetoric. You know, it was all like, well, you need to gain 40 pounds, but nothing over 40 pounds, or you need to uh, be sure to only stick to whole foods and to limit your sugar intake because sugar is addictive and processed foods are evil. <laughs> and so, and this was coming from people who were supposed to be helping with my eating disorder, you know? So I kind of like rolled around in that muck for a little bit until I finally came across a person who is was my health coach. And she said, listen, the problem is you're restricting. If you weren't restricting so much food, then all foods would fit and you wouldn't feel the need to binge on them. Mm-hmm. And a lot of this comes from, you know, you're restricting because you need to be thin. You're restricting because you miss your old body from that time of your life when your body was your currency. You're restricting because you don't feel like you're enough. And like what you need to do is work on these core beliefs that you have and allow yourself to eat without guilt and then you will feel better. And so I did those, I started to work towards that. And I realized, you know, I had always been going to school to be a therapist. And once after about a year and a half of recovery, I decided to specialize in eating disorders because it was just everything in my free time. All I was doing was reading anti-diet books or going to seminars that were body confidence or all the people that I were following online all of a sudden were in the body neutrality or body positivity community instead of like all these models from the sex industry like it had slowly shifted for me so that's kind of how it all started it was rambly but that's my story (laughs) no oh my gosh thank you so much for sharing that that's um, and for being so vulnerable and just sharing your whole story. Cause I think it all, um, yeah, it really, it really makes me think about a lot, like how, you know, I think everyone has a different story of with their with body image and, and things like that, but it's nice to hear that, um, yours kind of ended with learning about <laughs> the anti-diet culture and really wanting to promote that and, and getting really into it. I, I, um, definitely relate to that, like going down, a spiral, but like in a good way of like being like, wow, like there is a place in this world where people celebrate bodies for, you know, all types of bodies, no matter what they look like. And that's good and that's okay. And, and we should be able to celebrate them. And, um, you know, we should not be promoting dieting because it can be really harmful. And I think that's, um, it's really interesting too, to hear about and upsetting to hear about the other people who are, um, in already like, uh, in the health space, like you were talking to and still having a very diet culture mentality when you were trying to like recover and like, you know, feel better and and nourish your body. And, you know, and they're saying these things and referring to foods as evil and, you know, things like that. It, um, it's really upsetting. And, and, you know, I know that's pretty common, but, um, it is hard to hear about how diet culture is still so ingrained, even in like the, you know, health community. So, yeah, <laughs> health quote, I mean, <laughs> it's like when health means, you know, when people think health is like, 
you know, being the thinnest you possibly can and like losing weight at all costs, basically. So that's, yeah, which is not the opposite of health, but (laughs) no, it's not. And people, people assign and including the people who I was talking to, they think that health is um, a personal endeavor, right? It's, it's only about your personal choices. When the CDC has it plastered straight on their website, that 70% of what makes up a person's overall health is their environment. Health doesn't come when you lose 10 more pounds, right? It comes when your community experience social and economic equality, right? So I think that this, the way that I kind of approach the encompassness of what it, I believe to be health comes from a much more community oriented standpoint because Mm. I don't believe that the eating whole foods is what's going to change the world, you know? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think you made a great point that it's, it is really tied in with, with social justice too. And I think even with, within, I, I, you know, I believe in intuitive eating and all foods are good and we should be able to nourish ourselves and um, kind of, even that, which I think is definitely the ideal is not even available to everyone if they don't have access to all foods that, you know, can nourish themselves and, and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I think it's, uh, this world extends beyond just diet culture. It also ties into like, um, you know, different privileges that people have and, um, kind of the state of the world and social justice and activism. So it's very linked in. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, kale is expensive and so is Asahi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some people, you know, they live in in towns where the closest place to buy to buy Asahi is like the next state line over. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that's yeah, that's such a great point. Cause I when I think about these like people who are promoting like diet culture or different diets and fads usually they are like thin white women who are promoting also like a very like elite like culture and like stance you know like it's not just like it's it's more than um just like find what's healthy for you that's you know it's not that at all it's kind of like you can have this like luxury life that I live as long as you become like thin and all this stuff, which is just like such a lie, but (laughs) yes, it's such a lie. And they, um, sometimes I wonder, are they actually doing it? Do they know what they're doing? What I mean, they're posting these pictures Mm -hmm. in South America at this Airbnb that undoubtedly cost over a thousand dollars a night eating their asahi bowls Mm -hmm. and with their perfect hair and their they took like 20,000 pictures just to find that perfect pose yeah lighting makeup photoshop you name it yeah if you're thin enough you can have this too is the subliminal messaging that is behind that photo and it's just not true right because some people uh they come from a background that doesn't afford them those kinds of privileges. Mm-hmm. And I'd also argue that we can find happiness without, you know, <laughs> without being thin. Like that's kind of the end goal, right? They think that, you know, thinness is at, when you when you are thin, you'll be 
happy, but that's just not true. We can be happy by pursuing our dreams and passions, forming, you know, great relationships with others, just like doing, you know, doing what we're meant to do in the world, because we are so much more than just, you know, pursuing weight loss as our entire, like, reason to live. (laughs) Yes. No, that was a revolutionary thought to me is that I can exist without trying to pursue weight loss or look pretty. I can have a career that is not about my <laughs> appearance. This is wild, you know, right. so. Truly, <laughs> but it's a great thing when we discover that. Yeah, yeah, it's super liberating awesome. because you don't have to, it doesn't require you to change anything about yourself. All you need to do mm-hmm. is um, shift your perspective. Exactly, Yeah. I love that. It's like, we can, we can achieve this right as we are now. We don't have to change our bodies to feel good about them. We can be happy with who we are right now in this moment. (laughs) It is possible. (laughs) Awesome. Well, um, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see how has been, um, you know, as you've been pursuing, um, being a health coach and stuff, have you, um, I don't know how far you've gotten in like the studies yet, but is anything really standing out to you in a good or bad way about, um, you know, pursuing this career? It's been hard to, to get over the imposter syndrome that I feel. Mm. I have been in academia for since, 2018 so I after I left that industry and then I worked in you know regular old the service industry which still has some very to get the good bartending jobs or to get Mm -hmm. the good waitressing jobs you there you got to look good you know Mm -hmm. so there's still some it's not as high but there's still some of that messaging going on there I, um, I got sober in 2017 and then I waited a year and then I went back to school in 2018 to pursue therapy as a career. And one of the reasons that I decided to enroll in college is because it's a really good way to pause all of my dreams and aspirations. Well, I can't do this yet because I'm not a therapist yet. I can't do this yet because I don't have any letters after my name. I can't help anybody because I haven't gone through any, all the classes I need to go through. So recognizing that I I do want those letters, not because they're letters, but because (laughs) I wanna be able to help people in a clinical setting. Mm -hmm. Recognizing that I don't need to be in that clinical setting yet and that I can help people as I'm pursuing that clinical license has been a difficult thing for me to do. And also opening up my page and just being who I am and accepting that some of those people from different parts of my life are going to be like, gosh, what's Brandy doing? Why is she posting all that weird diet culture stuff? Sugar's <laughs> totally addictive. Uh, letting them think what they want. Mm-hmm. Uh, just going for it anyway so yeah I love it yes it's 
it is a hard thing like to, yeah, to let go of what other people think. And I know that even probably a lot of people close to me are like, oh yeah, diets are great. And like, we should, you know, and, and that's like, you know, it can be, it can be tough. And I'm sure not everyone agrees with me, or at least to the extent that I believe um, in that, like people can, you know, I truly believe people should not be pursuing weight loss and that people can be healthy at any size. And this is, this is a thing like, and they're always like, but, and I'm like, no, no, like, it's no not, but. yeah, like, no, this is, this, you know, it's not. And they're like, yeah, I believe in intuitive eating, like, but like, you kind of got to like mix it. And I'm like, no, no, like, oh but, my goodness. Um, I yeah. I so relate to you. I so <laughs> relate to that. I, uh, my, some of my, my three closest friends, I'm really lucky. They all are like, just as with me about mm-hmm. anti-diet culture as I am, but that's only after a year and a half of really being like no because there used to be those butts but mm-hmm. but now I'm like no this is why and these are the right. studies this book and all these things yes yeah and so they all agree with me however there's still acquaintances or people I know who think they agree with me but they mm-hmm. have those butts sure right so I I really relate to that yes intuitive eating but sugar is terrible for you so you really shouldn't eat too much of it and I'm just you know I want to pound my head and (laughs) pound because if you could just let go of the morality of food you would find that you probably don't want to eat sugar all the time and therefore you won't eat too much of it right so I know it's it's sometimes I have to take a step back and be like what, you know, it's, it's amazing to see how I'm just saying, you know, intuitive eating, which would just be called eating if it weren't for diet culture, like it's literally just like listening to your body and eating and not restricting foods and just kind of like, yeah, like what, what feels good and like allowing all foods and stuff like that, that people are like so against it sometimes, <laughs> like so against just like nourishing our bodies and like trusting our bodies too. It's like how far we've come, you know, like how far we've fallen from like, uh, with diet culture, um, telling us that, you know, we need a diet book by, you know, some rich influencer to, you know, truly, (laughs) to truly eat well, when, you know, we can listen to our bodies and also (laughs) achieve that. Uh, I know I just posted this reel today and someone commented on it on my TikTok one that it said, these aren't normal portions. You shouldn't be eating this. And it was so funny to me because I just say one scoop of ice cream, one chocolate and a couple pieces of bread because I didn't want it. I just wanted to record my (laughs) reel. (laughs) So how do you have any idea what portions I'm eating just by watching this the audacity of some of these people is astounding to me yeah well (laughs) it is I mean I think there's there's always going to be those people but I'm I'm grateful for you know the community out there and and the 
and also like the strong research and the people who have like really looked into this like I'm not just making this stuff up like I'm really not a scientist like this you know health at every size and um, intuitive eating anti-diet culture is all heavily backed by science so would encourage any listeners to check that out and the many books and uh, research papers on this it's not it's not a you know, something that I'm just making up or would like to believe it is actually real. <laughs> I know <laughs> how, how great that is. It is. It is a good thing. We'll celebrate that. But um, tell me more about how you are empowered as a, as a woman. So what has gotten you through maybe difficult times? Um, uh, and yeah, what makes you feel empowered? I think I used to have this really terrible habit I don't think that I know that where I would mutter under my breath that I hate myself over and over and over again like anytime I would think of something embarrassing that I did when I was seven years old that mutter would come to play or anytime that I would look in the mirror that mutter would come to play just things like that and what has really helped me that is was a very difficult time in my life and and that was from a very early age all the way until I would say about 23 and what helped me is to stop in the moment when I noticed that that happened and tell myself the opposite out loud, even around people, like I would go to a different room, I would sit down and out loud, I would say, I love myself. And I would say the opposite, or I would look in the mirror and say, I love myself. And these are the reasons why. Mm -hmm. And slowly but surely over time, it became the new habit. And I no longer mutter that I hate myself under my breath very often like sometimes you know old habits die hard (laughs) it comes back but I am always able to counteract that with opposite action so I would say that opposite opposite action has really helped me in difficult times whether that be the I hate myself thing or noticing that I have a problem with alcohol stopping to drink (laughs) Um, those sorts of things have really helped me. And then what was the other question? How am I empowered? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I believe that I'm empowered through my relationships with other people. I'm a very, I don't know if you know anything about astrology, but I'm a cancer. (laughs) I love having friends and relationships and those relationships that I have with my my family and my friends, the people I choose to be part of my family have really helped me to see the best in myself and the best in humanity. Those, one person I'm thinking of in particular, she has given me the put such a good example out into the world of how to treat other people. And by watching her behave in that way has empowered me to do the same. 
right? Mm-hmm. So the relationships that I'm I'm in, whether they be platonic or romantic, have really helped me to become empowered. I love that. Yeah, there's definitely a such a strength in having those positive relationships and good people in our lives. It's definitely definitely important and particularly noticed, I think during the pandemic when, you know, it's harder to maybe connect with those people and we value them even more. Uh, I know the pandemic has been rough on a lot of people. Yeah. Um, And I know you mentioned like stopping that negative self-talk, which I love. Like, I think it's so important and honestly, so common for, I would say, especially women to have just poor thoughts about themselves, especially like scrolling through social media, comparing themselves to others and like kind of having that negative dialogue in your head. Um, and I know you mentioned, like you said, kind of stopping those in your tracks, but, um, is there anything else that you do to like take care of yourself or practice self-care for your mind or your body or your soul? Yeah, I have a journal that is my positive self-talk Ooh, where, I that. yeah, I write, in it, all the qualities that I believe that I have, or I've like asked people what qualities they think I have. And I, in, in my journal, I write examples of when I exhibited that quality, right? So I think I'm resilient and getting sober was one of those things that I have in there. I think that I'm considerate of other people and like my boyfriend, his very close friend just died uh, the other day and I did his chores for him. Um, And I didn't expect him to, you know, give me anything for it or you're gonna have to do my chore the other day or the next time or anything like that. So I put that in there as like, I'm considerate. Mm -hmm. So I like to write examples of when I exhibit those qualities and when I'm having a bad time or I think that I spiral down the hole of not enoughness, I like to open that journal and read those examples and those things and remind myself that I am much more than I give myself credit for. Wow. That was that is such a fantastic idea. I've asked a lot of different women about like ways they practice self-care and this is definitely like a new one and I love it. Like I, I think this is so, um, wow, so important. And I like how you didn't just like write, you don't just write like, yeah, like I'm great at this or I'm considerate, like having those examples, like really it's kind of, kind of like proving it to yourself. Like, you know, if you are doubting, it's like, no, like I did this, I did that. Like I, you know, I am, uh, as you know, a person who's worthy and who is good and beautiful. So, oh, I really like that. I'm going to like start taking that up on days where I'm not feeling so great. (laughs) Good. I'm glad. Yes. The examples really changed the game for me because I, I have to tell you that I didn't entirely come up with it on my own. <laughs> my therapist suggested, well, why don't you write examples? Because when I'm going through and I'm reading them without the examples, mm-hmm. feel in, the, in those moments when I really need to be reading those things, I'm like, this isn't true, you know? So mm-hmm. the examples really help. And I continuously add to them. So awesome. Yeah. Love that. Such a good, a feel good practice too. (laughs) 
Awesome. Well, this will go well into our next question, which is what is something that you like most about yourself? Mm. I think I have a lot of ambition and I like that, not because we live in a capitalist society that says, go, 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 (laughs) but because my ambition allows me to kind of tend to everything that I want to accomplish in a way that is sustainable and practical for me. So I love my ambition. And I also think I'm a little sassy. And I love that because I've been told my whole life, people call me uh, aggressive. And I've done a lot of work around that. I've decided that I don't think I'm aggressive. I've decided that people think I'm aggressive because I'm a woman and I say what I think and I say what I feel. And if I were a man, you wouldn't be saying that to me. <laughs> and just because if something I say makes you uncomfortable, often it doesn't have to do with me, you know, unless I'm saying something that's complete trash, but I would like to think I normally don't do that. So <laughs> oftentimes it doesn't have to do with me and it has to do with the other person. So, and their triggers and what's going on in their lives. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of own it nowadays. And if you think I'm assertive or if you think I'm aggressive or if you think I'm bossy or if you think I get too angry when I'm talking about things that I'm passionate about, then that's your problem. And it's not mine. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. To everything you just said, because <laughs> it is so true. I mean, most of the time people would not say that about men and yeah, it really, really fires me up. <laughs> I think it just like, yeah, it, it bothers me. And I think I see it and I have to even just look over, like, um, look over like my emails when I'm at work and stuff. And I'm like, no, I don't need to say like, Oh, kind of, maybe could you please kind of do this thing? Like, no, like, and, and I worry, like, Oh, if I say, you know what I want, then people will, you know, I'm subconsciously being like, Oh, I can't say that. That like sounds so mean, or it sounds this. And I'm like, no, this is just like put on us. Like, you know, I get emails from men all the time that are like very, you know, just to the point and like, do this. So like, why can't I do the same thing? Like I, you know, yeah, big thing I'm like working on for myself, but also like, I just, and I so believe in that too. Like women should be empowered to be their full selves. And if other people don't like that, well, that's too bad. <laughs> yes. I love the quote. You can be the brightest, juiciest, fuzziest peach in the world. And there's still going to be some stupid motherfucker who hates peaches. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's yeah. so true. And I was just listening today. I have like a, um, a playlist, like a feminist playlist on my, on Spotify. And, and what it, there's this song that's like, if you don't like girls who are smarter than you, if you don't like girls who are like stronger than you, if you don't like girls who are like faster than you, then you might not like me. And I was like, yeah, "Yeah, that's, you you may not like me. Like that's, you know, again, not my problem. So (laughs) I know, I know, uh, gosh, it just takes me back. It's so different. Um, looking at, 
the circles I run around in today and the circles I used to run around and when I worked in the bar industry everything was meant for the pleasure of men and I think I, I was always moderately annoyed by it right in the dressing rooms or whatever like we would talk crap about that and how that's mm -hmm. bullshit but I kind of just accepted that as oh this is just the way it is and this is a man's world and it wasn't until I left that industry and found true empowerment outside of my appearance mm -hmm. that I realized I don't need to be the pleasure of a man I'm worth I don't need that to be my only right. source of self-worth so yeah yeah, I totally agree. Like it's, it's a great thing to like appreciate. I know I, I talk so much about inner beauty and it's like wonderful to appreciate our outer beauty. We are so beautiful on the outsides, but I think it, it gets problematic when, um, especially like society and the media thinks that's like, that's the only thing women can like contribute to society yeah. like that, that, that is the problem. <laughs> like, no, we are beautiful and we can absolutely celebrate that, but we have also so much more to offer with all of the inner beauty that we have to give. I know. I so agree with you. And I think it's interesting how they never want us to teeter too far one way or the other. <laughs> yeah. Right. So if this woman is what normal people, not normal people, what, what most people would consider like a 10 out of 10, mm -hmm. just totally whatever, then she's self-conceited and she's this and she's that. They, they never want you to be too beautiful, but they never want you to be ugly. They always mm -hmm. want you to fit perfectly in their box, wherever that be, right? So you can get naked on the internet but if you are selling uh an only then that's not okay right but other people are posting the same half naked pictures in their bathing suits and no one takes those down mm. so it's like where you you can't win mm -hmm. no matter where you are when you're in the sexist society you live in yes yeah too much of one thing or too little of that. It's just like, and I've seen it said before and like saying it again now, it's usually just like, just not who you are. You know, that's, that's the message there. You can't get it right, <laughs> which <Yeah>. is <laughs> like, we can't, we can't win. That's kind of the message, but I do believe there's hope. Like there is hope. I don't want to end on like, you know, we, we can't win at this. Like I, you know, also feel very empowered by like the strong women like yourself and the other, like the community out there who want to fight against these like beauty standards for one. And also just, you know, standards that they have for what women should quote unquote should be. So I think that, you know, the work, um, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get there through our hard work and yeah, it's a long, it's a long journey, but I do have hope. <laughs> yes, me too. It is a long journey, but we have the community and people like each other who can, we can talk to that really understand these things and people in the community like myself and you who want to get on top of mountains with a megaphone and scream about these things. And it's through those actions, getting on top of that physical or metaphorical mountain and screaming about the injustices that is that culture that we're going to 
create true, meaningful, and effective change. Absolutely. Oh, I love it. So I'll end on our last question, which is what is a time when you recently felt beautiful? Hmm. <laughs> you know what's so funny <laughs> is the first thing that popped into my head was a time that I didn't feel beautiful. Uh. <laughs> Isn't that like that's cultural conditioning at its best? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I have to think about it for a second. I was having a really bad body image day and I put on comfy clothes and I tried the whole thing. I read the books and I tried to distract myself with Netflix and it just wasn't doing it for me. I carried through that bad body image day the entire day and it got to the end of the day. So I went into my bathroom and I was like, you know what, F this. And I took off all of my uh, clothes except my underwear and I took the braids out of my hair and I like messed it all up and I put on some eyeliner and I turned on some music and I looked in the mirror and I started to verbalize all the things that I did like about my appearance, even ex despite the, the thoughts did come about the things I didn't like about my appearance, mm -hmm. but I let them come and I let them go. Yeah. And I, what I verbalized was all the things that I did like about my appearance and what began to happen is as I verbalized those things and as I felt good in my body and as I was listening to those songs that I liked, I began to feel beautiful in the mirror. And sometimes, you know, I took that recommendation from, <laughs> there's this woman, she's a black, black activist on Instagram. Her name is Rachel. I don't know if I ever pronounced her last name right, Argel. Um, Carly or something like that and she said that when she feels poorly about her body that's what she does is mm -hmm. go in the mirror and talk about all the things she likes nice. and so I did that and I felt really beautiful about it mm. that's yeah. so nice yeah it's um, good to be like a cheerleader for ourselves you know like <laughs> and appreciate our inner and outer beauty wonderful Right. Well, thank you so much, Brandy, for just being a guest and sharing all of your stories and everything you have to offer. It was just such a pleasure to have you on. Um, do you have any last words and uh, takeaways that you want to leave our audience with? I think the only thing I want to reiterate is that these thoughts that you have about your appearance, are not yours. They were planted there through cultural conditioning and through societal standards that you were born into. And it's not your fault that you internalized these things. But through opposite action and through community and education and things like health at every size and beauty sickness and being ignited through inner beauty and all those things, we can work to create change within ourselves and within the world. So, you know, don't listen to those bad 
not bad. Don't listen to the thoughts that aren't yours. I love it. Such a great way to end. Thank you so much. (laughs) Yes, thank you. Thank you so much for joining me on this week's episode of Ignited by Inner Beauty. I hope this episode served as a reminder of just how beautiful and worthy you are. If you enjoyed today's episode, please hit subscribe, provide a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, and share this episode with a friend. For more information about Ignited by Inner Beauty, please go to ignitedbyinnerbeauty.com and sign up for my email list to keep up to date on new blog posts and podcast episodes. If you'd like to support my mission of empowering women, you can go to patreon.com slash ignitedbyinnerbeauty and receive some exclusive content and giveaways. If you're not already following me on social media, please follow me on Instagram at ignitedbyinnerbeauty and Twitter at ignitedbeauty. Thank you again for joining me and please tune in for the next episode.